All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey. Live every weekday at noon Eastern. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Daily Faceoff Live. It is Friday, December 9th. It's Matt Larkin here. Last week, I shouted out my dad for his birthday. I'm shouting out my mom, another Larkin birthday. Happy birthday, mom. And I'm joined today by my partner in eyebrows, Mr. Mike McKenna, former NHL goaltender, our resident NHL analyst. Mike, how are you doing today? Well, when it comes to eyebrows, Matt, I'm your backup. Like I've been in most things in life. Nobody can compete with you for the number one job. So I'm happy to wear the backup towel and open the door at the bench and let you lead the way as the host, as the man with the eyebrows, ready to get rolling on today's show. Okay, we're going to get rolling, then we'll jump into it. Let's put two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock. And we're going to start by talking about a team close to you geographically, Mike, the St. Louis Blues. And they lose a big central division tilt with the Winnipeg Jets last night. They've lost 7 of 10. This team continues to run hot and cold. This, to me, is not news. If you've watched the show, everybody, you've heard this from me. I'm a broken record. I picked the Blues as a bust. They got rid of their best power play contributor, David Perron. They lose Billy Huso, helped prop them up. They were a bad defensive team. I'm not surprised that they are struggling. I'm going to push the narrative forward for you now, Mike. What I want to know is, if this trend continues, if you're Doug Armstrong, do you have to start adopting a seller's mentality? You do have Ryan O'Reilly, who's a pending UFA. How long before you start taking calls on Mr. O'Reilly? Yeah, I think you're looking at it, you know, not just from a seller's mentality, but from a shakeup mentality, Matt. And I think if you're looking at O'Reilly, he's been considered a real core piece to this team that the belief was, okay, they let Perron walk. They got to save some space because they have to sign Ryan O'Reilly. Well, he's not having a very good year. Um, and he's 31 years old. What kind of contract is he going to look for next? Now, number one, centermen don't grow on trees, but they have somebody in Robert Thomas who's ready to assume that role as Riley starts to move down. Problem is, he's kind of the conscious of the team when it comes to be comes to defensive work. Problem is, his defensive work hasn't been good this year either. So, 
if you look at microcosm, Riley doesn't look like the same type of player that he was. I think that the type of return you could get on a Ryan O'Reilly would be massive. I think it would depend if there's anything that Doug Armstrong believes will fill in on the backside in terms of centermen. But I really look to the defensive core, Matt. I wonder if, you know, looking at a Tory Krug or a Colton Pareko, two players who defensively have left things on the table this year, they've got long contracts that are still in place. But does Doug Armstrong look to shake up the Blues by potentially moving someone like that, even with no trade clauses intact? Those are players that I think maybe you might start to look to, uh, not just, again, from a seller's market, but also from a shake-the-team-up market. Yeah, very good point, Mike. Especially with Colton Pareko, the size and the right-handed shot, there'd be a tremendous market for him. And I agree all the way on O'Reilly with the Consumite Trophy. Even if he's in decline, he's just going to be perceived as a piece that could put you over the top. I think the offers would mm -hmm. be pretty significant. You also have Vladimir Tarasenko pending UFA. There's an opportunity if the Blues go seller. They could rule the trade deadline. And I do have flashbacks to 2017-18. They missed the playoffs that year by one point. They did sell off Paul Stastny. The next year they reload and they win the Stanley Cup. So it's interesting. I do see a precedent, an opportunity there for the Blues to sort of reload, maybe retool, not all the way, but take a step back maybe to go forward. Uh, looking forward yeah. to something else now, Mike. I want to talk about some on-pace numbers. I have an, a story up on the website right now. Fun with on-pace numbers. I love numbers. I love stats. This year, scoring at a 29-year high in the NHL. And we've got some crazy paces right now. We have Connor McDavid tracking for 159 points. We have McDavid and Jason Robertson on pace for 70-plus goals. We have Rasmus Dahlin on pace for 105 points. Sidney Crosby on pace to become the fourth player 35 or older with 100 points. So if you look at those numbers, Mike, which of these crazy paces do you think is most likely to sustain? Well, I think that you can probably take away Darlene, uh going over 100 points for the Buffalo Sabres as a defenseman. Like, this is a real breakout year for him, and I'm not sure that that team's going to have the big swoons that they have in uh, Boston, Jersey. They're going to come back down to earth in some capacity. Even Robertson and McDavid. 70 goals just seems crazy right now because we haven't had been over 60 recently. I think that there's a chance there. I would edge it more towards Robertson. Um, I think they'll both come down. But the one that I'm really eyeing up, I think McDavid has a real chance to hit 150. But I like Sidney Crosby uh, going over the 100 and most points by a player 35 or older in 50 years. I think there's a good chance of that right now. Like Crosby could hit 110 points. And man, we're going way back to Johnny Busick. Like, this is 70-71 season here, Matt. Um, but you look at the way Crosby's playing and carrying that Pittsburgh Penguins team, I really think that's attainable because 110 points in the today's NHL, thats it's crazy to think. That's not a wild total right now. That's still top pointy end of the league, but it's not insane to think about when McDavid could be pushing 140 or even 150. Yeah, I think you're bang on with those two. With Crosby as well, there's margin for error because he's pacing from 110. Maybe he regresses a bit and he finishes at 100. Johnny Busick, Joe Sackett, Gordie Howe, the only 35 or older guys to do it. I do think he joins that club. And McDavid, it feels like the pace is out of control. But if we make the sample size bigger by just taking the playoffs last year, that's a 43-game sample, and that's 85 points in 43 games, just under two points a game. So I do think this is going to be the year we remember that McDavid finally got that full runway, full season, no shortened season. He gets to go supernova, and he hits the mark, 150, especially because he's pacing for more than that right now, 159. You have Mario Lemieux and Wayne Gretzky, the only guys to ever top 155. It's pretty crazy. I do think people forget that Steve Eiserman did 155 on the nose. 
But I think McDavid joins that tier, that elite company over 155 with Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux. It feels like a tall order, but if there's any player of this generation that can do it, I think it's number 97. So let's switch gears to the schedule tonight, Mike. We have the Calgary Flames making the long-awaited visit to Columbus to take on a very sad Blue Jackets team right now. But of course, the storyline there is not the game itself. It's the game within the game. It's Johnny Gaudreau facing his former team. He was open about his feelings in the media yesterday. He said, I'll never say I didn't make the right decision. He said he was not stringing Calgary fans along. It really did come down to the wire. And it was time for him to go in a new direction. So if you look at what's happened this year in Columbus, it's been a nightmare, Mike. So I want to know, if you're Johnny Gaudreau, if it's you, are you being honest right now? Do you really not regret it? Or is there a part of you kind of yearning to go back to Calgary? I think he's being completely honest. I mean, look at Calgary right now. That It's not all bunnies and rainbows there either. That club's been been incredibly mid-pack all season. And, and you know, I don't know how much Kachuk and Goudreau were tied together. You know, once Johnny decided to go, was that the straw that broke the camel's back with Matthew Kachuk wanting to leave town? I don't know. My point, though, is that I think that Brad Tree Living's done a good job to reload that club no matter what. So I, I think hindsight would be 2020 for Goudreau here because he goes to Columbus and he's done everything he can for that club. He's leading the team in scoring. Um, he's nine points ahead of the second highest scorer, which is Boone Jenner. You know, he's he's done everything he can. Now, what I think is interesting is when you look at trajectory of Columbus, like I know they're terrible this year. Like they can't play defense at all. But imagine if that club gets Connor Bedard and Johnny Goudreau gets to play with a Connor Bedard for the next decade or eight years or whatever his contract's going to be by the end of this, if he gets another one uh, afterwards, Matt, that's pretty intriguing. And then you look at Calgary where they are, can they grow or not? So I think Goudreau's being completely honest. I don't think he was stringing along the flames at all. I think it was just a matter of him making sure he made the best decision for himself, his family. Uh, and we shouldn't look too far into it. I've never known Goudreau to be anything other than honest. And um, we'll see where Columbus ends up in the next few years. I think it'll be easier to assess that maybe three, four years down the road. For sure, especially because just in the NHL today, things turn on a dime. Look at what the New Jersey Devils have done this season. So I do believe in the notion that you can be in a bad situation that changes very quickly. And like you said, Connor Bedard, or if it's Adam Fantilli, your situation could change on a dime. It could be suddenly not a powerhouse, but you could have a really exciting line mate by next year for Johnny Gaudreau. I think it's hard sometimes when it's a player that has never won a Stanley Cup, it's hard to sort of process the idea that winning doesn't matter that much, at least on paper. But because of the fact we can see that rapid change, we could be singing a completely different tune next year. It happens all the time in the NHL. So I'm with you. I think his words are, are genuine. Uh, speaking of genuine, Mike, uh, who is somebody that you are targeting for our next segment, which is buying a beer, the Friday tradition. It's your first time. Welcome to the bar. Grab a pint and tell me what genuine person in the game are you sending that that glass over to in appreciation? Well, I'm going to send one and then I'm going to send a second and a third. And it's not because I'm trying to get the person drunk and get some truth serum out of them. It's because I think they deserve it. And it's Rick Bonus, the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets. And the reason being is the first beer is as an apology because I called his hiring uninspiring this past summer. Uh, I, I didn't think that the Jets got the man they wanted. I didn't know what was going to happen. I owe him an apology because number two, the second beer comes when it's for a job well done so far with the Winnipeg Jets leading the central division. The best players are doing their job for that club. Shifley, Wheeler, uh, you know, Connor's starting to get hot. Connor Hellebuck's been amazing. But I think that realistically, Bonus has just breathed life into that team. For whatever reason, sometimes you just need a new voice. 
Uh, he appears to have been a great fit for them. And then the third beer would just be because, unbelievably, over my wild career with 20-whatever pro teams, I never came across Rick Bonus. I missed him in a couple cities by like a season, Matt. And I know he's got stories, and I figure by the third beer, if he chooses to have that, uh, which I don't know whether he would or not, he'd probably be able to tell me a few, and we'd have a good time and enjoy the facts. So who do you have for your buy a beer portion of this? Well, I love the bonus pick, especially because I was living in Ottawa as a kid when the Ottawa Senators first came to be, and I would love to, to hear about those horror stories from those original Senators teams where bonus was in town. Uh, my beer, it, this is a drowning sorrows kind of beer. It goes to Nick Robertson of the Toronto Maple Leafs. The kid can't seem to catch a break. I'm not talking about the healthy scratches. You could argue that's something that's at least somewhat in a player's control. You could say he could do more away from the puck. He could show more hustle, more defensive responsibility. Fine. If you subscribe to that, that's a mess of his own making. I can get behind that for certain people who believe that. But these injuries, it's hard to predict these. If you go back to 2020-21 season, he hurts his knee in the first game of the year. Last year, 2021-22, he breaks his leg early in the season. Now we have this nasty-looking injury upper body to Nick Robertson. The Leafs have already indicated it's a long-term injury. He's going to be out for a while. And it's just tough because... The career path has been maddening for him. We can never really get a sense of who he's going to be because there's no continuity. Every time he's getting momentum, he's either scratched or hurt, and it sets back the timeline. He has to work his way back into shape coming back from injury, and it's almost like he has to start over. I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back. He has to go to the Marlies again to get himself back into shape. So it's really hard to evaluate this player right now, and it's got to be hard just watching his brother tear it up. I'm sure he's happy for Jason, but just the comparison between the two the directions in which their careers are going. I feel for Nick Robertson. So beer goes to him. And it's time, Mike, for a new edition of the All 32. Oh, we're going to inbox question. Actually, I'm hearing that our guest is not here yet. So we're going to switch it up on you, Mike. We're going to go to our inbox question next. And it's, it's one that is a hot button topic that came up last night. Sticking with the Toronto Maple Leafs, we see a nasty slash from Pierre Engvall on Sean Dersey. They're locked up in the heat of battle. You see the stick swinging from Engvall as they're tied up there at center ice, catches Jersey in the back of the head. So we know already there's a hearing called for from the Department of Player Safety. I want to know what your prediction is. How many games, that's the inbox question, how many games for Pierre Engvall in terms of suspension? I'm going to say one game. And reason being is that I've got a couple of comparables here. Um, the first of which would be Kirill Kaprizov earlier this year, who high stick drew Doughty in a game uh, against the LA Kings. And Kaprizov only came away with a $5,000 fine. He kind of came down on Doughty. Uh, it didn't look like it was very intentional. It was more accidental. Um, this one by Engvall, I think, kind of blurs the line between uh, accidental and, and purposeful because he's definitely trying to hit Dersey. I doubt in the head it's kind of swinging through as two sticks come together. So I think this is closer to being just shy of what Andre Burakovsky, or not Burakovsky, what um, Kuznetsov had earlier this year for the Washington Capitals where he received a two-game suspension for um, slashing somebody in the face. Uh, and that was uh, earlier this year against... Kyle Burroughs of Vancouver, if you remember that. And it was actually a one-game suspension. So I can't see what Engvall did, do, did here uh, against Jersey being worse than what Kuznetsov did previously, previously this year to Burroughs. So I'm going to go one game, Matt. Okay. I remember you were fired up at the time about Kuznetsov. You wrote a column that it should have been a 20-game suspension. And it seems like yeah. the this, this shot to the head was not being taken seriously. I went back and forth on this one. So... 
I looked at it at first. I thought it was the momentum of Engvall, who's a taller guy. He's sort of locked up. He's not even looking at Dursey, and his stick comes down. But then I looked at it a second time. I think he changes the direction. You can see the control in his left hand. He controls the stick, bringing it down deliberately, I think. It's accidentally on purpose. And I did a little bit of digging to get a sense of what the, what the feeling is around what he did. And I know that the Department of Player Safety does not look at it lightly when it's a non-hockey play the puck was nowhere around this play this was away from the play as far as i understand here and i think that's a multi-game suspension it might not be more than two because there isn't an injury we know of for Dursey, and there's no repeat offender situation here with pierre engvall both of those can impact the, the length of the sentence but i think it warrants more than a game just to the back of the head it's really dangerous it's a stick swing to the head so two games is my prediction that's one game from you We'll see what happens. And now it is actually time to go to our next edition of the All 32. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Okay, everybody, it's the All 32 delivered by DoorDash in a typical Vegas style. The act, he comes in a little bit later than expected. He brings in some hype. It's Jesse Granger from The Athletic. Pleasure to have you. Always been a fan of your work. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Oh, we're doing not too badly. Friday, lots of action going on in the league. And we're really curious about what's happening with Vegas, of course, at the moment, the Golden Knights are missing two key pieces. We have the very scary, sad situation with Alex Petrangelo and family. And of course, we have Jack Eichel, who is really putting together a tremendously resurgent season out with that lower body injury. So to kick it off, Jesse, I was just looking for an update on the two of those players. And if there's any sense yet of when we'll expect them back, I assume, of course, it's going to be much sooner for Jack Eichel. 
Yeah, it, it definitely seems like it's going to be sooner for Eichel. Um, obviously, with Petrangelo, we don't have a lot of information. We just know that he's dealing with an illness in his family. Obviously, something that is very serious, and uh, the Golden Knights are giving him as much time as he needs. So they, not really a way for us to know when he'll be back. Um, in terms of Eichel, it's interesting because when it, when it first happened, you always worry with a non-contact injury, especially when a guy goes off holding his, his leg like that. But he did skate two days later in Boston. Um, after the injury. He hasn't skated since then. It's going to be interesting. Um, I'll be over at morning skate here in about an hour and 15 minutes. It's going to be interesting to see if he takes the ice this morning, to whether it's just to test it out or if he thinks he might be able to go tonight. Um, Bruce Cassidy yesterday said um, he, he Jack told him he was feeling better, but he can't really give us much more of an update until the player is on the ice. Once the player is on the ice, he'll be able to give us a better timeline. Um, but Based on everything we've heard and and the fact that Eichel's already skated since the injury tells me that this isn't a long-term injury, um, but for the Golden Knights right now, without their best defenseman and their best forward, every day that they don't have Jack Eichel on the ice is obviously a problem. Yeah, and Jesse, there's a couple things about this team that really stands out to me. I mean, the first is that they've been brutal at home by comparison to what we expect out of the Vegas Golden Knights. They're 12-2-1 on the road, which is phenomenal, but at home, they're only seven and six and Vegas used to be the city that you didn't want to go play in. And it's been more of a recent trend with this club. So where do you think that had advantage has gone? Is there anything tactile to it? Is it simply because the team's missing uh, key players in Petrangelo and Eichel? Is it because maybe that third line with Kessel and a, and a rotating cast hasn't been able to fill in? Is there any explanation for why this team has been better on the road than at home? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I don't think there's a great explanation for it. And not, not only are they seven and six at home, this team was five and one at home to start the year. They right. are like two and five since then at home. It's been really, really rough at T-Mobile Arena. Um, there have been a couple games where I think the situation explains why they were bad. Um, you look at the game against St. Louis, they were coming home from a long East Coast trip. They had just won the game in Buffalo for Jack Eichel. He scores the hat trick. That was the most emotional win of the season. And it caps off a, a perfect road trip to the East Coast. So you're coming back. You you are losing three hours on the in the time zones. The Blues were already on the West Coast. They had just played San Jose, and they were a desperate team. And you look at that, and you say, okay, that's why the Golden Knights got their butts whooped at home. This last game against New York was a very similar situation. They had just come off a big road trip on the East Coast. They win a game in Boston for Bruce Cassidy that all those players wanted to win for him. And you play a, a really desperate Rangers team. They feel like their coach is on the hot seat. They were playing for Gerard Glant in that game. Um, so those are two. Those are only two losses of the last five of the last seven that they've lost at home. The rest of them, I don't really know. I do agree with you that the third line is an issue. To me, that's the biggest issue on this team. Um, it's early December. Very few teams have four lines that are perfectly clicking right now. But um, if you're looking for what's wrong with the Golden Knights, to me, the first thing I go to is the third line has been really rough. Um, and not only are they rough, Bruce Cassidy doesn't trust them. Um, when the game's tight in the third period, they basically they basically sit on the bench for the entirety of the third period. Um, he doesn't trust him defensively. I've asked him over the last couple of days, what do you want the identity for that third line to be? And he, he basically said, I want it to be a hard checking, 
defensive line, similar to the Carrier Colasar line with a little more offensive punch, but something I can trust. And you look at that third line, the way they're deploying them, they have the highest offensive zone start percentage of any line in the on the team. 67% of the time, Phil Kessel's starting in the offensive zone. And yet they've allowed more goals per 60 than any players on the team. So they're getting the most advantageous positions and they're giving up the most goals. Um, that line's a problem for the Golden Knights right now. Yeah, and this club here, I don't want to necessarily say, hey, they're playing terribly. I mean, they're still getting points. They, they've averaged a point a game here for a little while after that really, really hot start to the team. And they've missed some players. But there really is one other area that I want to highlight, Jesse, and it's the penalty kill. I mean, the, the Golden Knights are down right now 25th in the league. They're, they're at 73.3%. But especially of late, they allow two power play goals to Mika Zibanejad, not just the Rangers. Mika Zibanejad, he's a one-timer. You know it's coming. They still allow two goals. They've allowed a power play goal against in four straight games. Is there real concern right now over what they're doing when they are short a man? Yeah, I think there should be. Um, obviously, they, they haven't been great at the penalty kill. And when you look at the roster, you think this team should be very good at it. I mean, you look at their defensemen. They've got really good defensemen that block shots. And you've got forwards that are very defensively inclined. Mark Stone, William Carlson, Riley Smith, Chandler Stevenson, Nick Waugh, even Jack Eichel's been playing quite a bit of penalty kill. Um, they have the personnel to be good at killing penalties. So um, I think it's, it's funny because when Bruce Cassidy came in and he installed this defense, it's a zone defense. It's very different from the man-to-man -man defense the Golden Knights have run for the last five years. I personally thought, you know what, by the end of the year, this team might be good defensively, but it's probably going to be pretty rough to start off. And I was wrong about that. The team picked up the defensive system basically right off the bat, and they've been great. I think the penalty kill, maybe we're seeing a little bit of what I expected at five on five. Um, they brought John Stevens in. He changed their penalty kill from a very aggressive one um, under DeBoer and under Gallant. They were super aggressive uh, to, to one that is very passive. And lately, they've uh, Cassidy has been mentioning that they're trying to get them to be a little more aggressive. But I think because these penalty killers have been have played one system so long, they feel like and, and Riley Smith actually said this to me. They're getting caught in between a lot in the middle. Whether they're not challenging the, they're not pressuring the shooter, the puck carrier enough. But they're also not taking away the passing lane. They're kind of getting caught in the middle in no man's land. And I think that's got to do with being a little less comfortable with the system. So um, I think there's hope for the penalty kill to get better considering the personnel and the fact that they're learning a new system, but it's definitely, um, it definitely hasn't been good enough. And like you said, they're in first place. Um, they, they won those nine games in a row. They built up a nice cushion between themselves and the rest of the Pacific division. So every team's going to go through a rough patch. The Golden Knights have been good enough to where they're currently going through their rough patch and they're still in first place by a few points. Great insight, Jesse. And I couldn't agree more. I've always said this. I hate the passive penalty kill. It doesn't work. It drives me crazy. So I appreciate the insight there. Keep up the great work with The Athletic. It's a pleasure to have you. And everybody, if you look, the segment, of course, brought to you by DoorDash. There's the promo code at the bottom of your screen, GameDay25. That gets you 25% off. Free delivery on your first order. DoorDash, all your faves and more delivered right to your door. That has been the All32. Thanks, Jesse. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Okay, it's Friday night, and there is a pretty large slate of games, as far as I can remember, for a Friday. So we're going to dive into the daily face-off points bet, daily bet segment, and bring in Tyler Remchuk. What do you have cooking, my friend? 
Well, first off, I have been uh, struggling at times throughout the year, but I think I'm starting to get on a bit of a heater here, starting with that Canucks game a couple of nights ago, and then rolling into last night, I've nailed my last eight picks. So let's see if I can keep it going tonight, starting with that matchup between the Rangers and the Avalanche. The Rangers, like you just talked about with Jesse, starting to play some good hockey. They beat the Vegas Golden Knights earlier this week, and the Avs, as we talked about on yesterday's show, they are incredibly banged up. So it makes sense that the Rangers are favorites, but I don't think they're being favored enough, and I really like them in this spot. Minus 155 on the money line. I like it. And you know what else I'm doing? I'm throwing just a little half-unit sprinkle on that New York Rangers puck line at plus 175. I think it's juicy. The Avs lost to the Flyers. They didn't cover the puck line on their last time out. I like the Rangers minus a goal and a half and on the money line tonight. Also, at the bottom there, the Seattle Kraken. Man, that line keeps shifting towards the Kraken. When I checked earlier today, they were even money and I liked it. Now I love them at plus 125. They're 8-1-1 on the road this year. Yes, they're maybe starting to struggle a little bit and come back down to earth, but I still think this is a good spot against a Capitals team that, like the Avs, is very banged up. Seattle is a great road team, and anytime I can get them as road dogs, I'm going to take it. If you would have put 100 bucks on the Kraken money line every road game so far this season, you'd be up over $800. I am getting in on that action. And my player prop today, I am targeting Sidney Crosby. He's minus 130 to get an assist. He's done it in three of his last five, and he's plus 160 to go over one and a half points. I'm going with a full unit on a Crosby Apple and a half unit on him to go over a point and a half. So five plays, three full units, two half units. That's what I got on a big Friday night. Okay, thank you, Tyler. And I'm especially liking that Rangers Avs bet, and it's a nice little transition. You're teeing me up. Thank you, because that's what I want to talk about in our edition of Garbage Time. I have a, I don't want to call it a delete your account level take, Mike, but I don't know if everybody's going to agree with this one. I'm glad you're sitting down for this one, but here we go. What if all of these injuries are good for the Colorado Avalanche? And the reason why I say that is, I, I remember in the summer talking to Nathan McKinnon, he was saying, being the intense guy that he is, he was excited that he had such a short layoff. It kept them in shape and there was continuity. And I thought, man, that's not normal. You need a rest, man. That's a long playoff run. It takes a lot out of your body. And I'm reminded of the Tampa Bay Lightning in 2020-21. They parachute, very notoriously, Nikita Kucherov into the playoffs, fresh legs, and they go on to win the Stanley Cup their second in a row. I'm not saying that you keep all these guys or stash all these abs that are hurt on LTIR and bring them for the playoffs. But what I am saying is, if you're getting 50 or 60 games out of all your core players, whether it's Gabriel Landeskog or Josh Manson or Nathan McKinnon, Valerie Nachushkin, Arturi Lekkanen, maybe you get fresher legs going into the playoffs and it's sort of rest spread out throughout the season. The Avs don't need to be a high seed. They're a Stanley Cup winner. They can come in and give a horrible punishment to a first place team and they could be a wild card. Imagine that. So I want to know your thoughts, Mike. Am I crazy? Am I galaxy braining this? Or is there some validity to the idea that the injuries could help the Avs? I think you're muted there, Mike. Apologies for that, Mr. Larkin. I think that really with this club, that may not be a bad deal. I mean, if you can parachute in a player towards the end like you did at Kucherov in playoff time, boy, you're gaining a lot of firepower if you're the Colorado Avalanche. But I'm not sure that that's ideal, though. You want to be able to run your lineup uh, from the end of the season on into playoffs. I think it was unique what Tampa had done previously. So um, I appreciate what you're saying here because I think there could be some some validity to it. I think if anything, it might just make it easier on Joe Sackick. And, you know, after uh, the amount of work that he's put in in recent years, and of course now going to um, to Chris McDonald, the 
the new GM of the team. I keep thinking of Jack Sackick as the GM. Um, I think it could work, but I don't know. It's a spicy take, but I'd like to see it play out. Okay, we'll see. And I just, I, I kind of laugh at the idea of you finish first in the West and it's like, surprise, you're facing wildcard Colorado in round one. Oh my God, that would be horrible for that team. Well, that finishes today's episode, Mike. And thank you. Thank you, of course, to Jesse Granger for coming on. Thank you to Tyler Remchuk. And of course, our head of production, Alex Allard, will be back as always noon on Monday. And until then, enjoy the weekend and stay on dailyfaceoff.com for updates on whatever's happening in the hockey world. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? 
For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.